0: Some of Ohio State's biggest names get paid. We have a slew of theme games to talk about this football season, and the recruits continue to just keep pouring in. We'll talk about all those things and more in this edition of the 11 Dubcast. Andy Vance joining you along with Johnny Getter, Johnny CJ Stroud, Jackson Smith, and Jigba, Travion Henderson, and Denzel Burke, the latest to cash in on an NIL deal brokered by the Foundation, one of the collectives. Taking care of players at the Ohio State University, uh, you know, as these deals become more public uh, and, and more frequent, I guess, uh, one, it's it's good to see that Ohio State, you know, is uh, getting some of that action. On the other hand, I, I find it really interesting, you know, when you think back earlier in the summer when we were talking about Ryan Day's comments uh, that it was going to take thirteen million dollars a year to field a championship caliber football team. You have a six-figure deal dropped here for four players, five hundred fifty thousand dollars NIL deal for four of the biggest names on the team. I guess Mm -hmm. the thing that leapt out at me is that, on the one hand, that's a lot of money. On the other hand, it is it. it, Well, on the other hand, it kind of really puts into perspective what Coach Day was saying earlier this summer about how much money it takes to field talent of of this caliber. Yeah, Uh, maybe I'm. I mean, I mean, it takes a lot of six-figure deals to get to thirteen million dollars.
1: Yeah. I was, I was like, you know, I'm looking at this and I'm going, okay, that's 550. That's not each. Right. So that's combined. Uh, feels like a kind of a drop of the bucket for <laughs> CJ Stroud. I feel like there's some other hustles that he's got to have going on. And, you know, I understand the foundation and, and Brian Schottenstein and, and Cardell Jones are out there trying to help out the players and that's great. I mean, more power to him. Uh, this does not feel like, um, uh the end all be all to nil deals i don't i don't feel like a guy like cj stroud is done i guess is what i'm saying there's there's a lot more money on the table that i think he can he can make um and the the names of the organizations are i love that they're going you know in in the local route you know what i mean yeah Uh, i think that's good i also think it's kind of (laughs) hilarious because i don't know man like Jackson Smith and Jigba is is probably the best wide receiver in the United States uh, at the collegiate level. He's gonna, you know, he's gonna have all these touchdown catches and all these yards and gonna have, be on these all these highlight reels. I don't know that designer shoe warehouse that DSW uh really screams high profile wide receiver to me. <laughs> so it's just, you know, like again, I'm I'm not. I'm not hating on their ability to make money, but like, I thought it would be something a little more, I guess, classy would be the would be the word not a place to get discount shoes. Um, I I feel like, you know, car dealerships, I, I wrote about that, like it always, it's always been shorthand for like shady stuff, but like you get a shiny, cool car out of it, right? Uh, I don't know, the DSW is really the the move on there. American Eagle Outfitters cool, I guess, but um, I mean, I'm maybe I'm not hip to what kids are wearing these days, but that just reminds me of like, you know, middle school pop collars and and kids wearing three of them on top of one another. So,
0: well, I think the I interesting just... thing about where you're going with this is the the disconnect if you will between maybe what is hip and trendy for the players Mm -hmm. versus, Hey, who, who's actually spending money on products that advertisers want to sell. So we were talking a few weeks ago about, uh, CJ Stroud's car deal. Right. And, Mm -hmm. oh, he's driving this. Oh, he's driving that. Oh, he's going to trade it in. How many people in central Ohio are, in the market for an Aston Martin automobile, I think it was really I think it was uh, uh Dippy dude down of Texas that was getting the Aston Martin, not not C.J. Stroud. But the point yeah, remains: like, how many people are in the market for that vehicle? How many of them right. are going to turn over? So while yeah, you want the player to be able to drive that around, you want you want that for recruiting material. That hey, Ohio State's quarterback's driving a Mercedes, Ohio State, you know right. whatever it is. And in reality, uh Central Ohio car dealer is going to sell a whole lot more Chevrolets than they are you know, an, an equivalent mm-hmm. volume of, of Mercedes Benz, And that's, that's a very fair point. That, so I, that's, I, I, that's where I it gets really interesting. These right. NIL deals. Like what NIL deal do you want? If you're starting quarterback at Ohio state versus who's actually willing to say, Hey, you know what? I could spend some money on that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, I understand that. And the other thing that I would say is like, the other thing that the player has to balance rather is their brand versus their money-making potential and if i'm you know the starting quarterback for ohio state and like you know i don't know walmart wants to give me five million dollars i'm like all right (laughs) i guess i'm the walmart quarterback and that's not maybe a good look for your brand overall but it's five million dollars on the other hand you know if if you're like a backup offensive lineman and some, you know, Jack and Benny's downtown or whatever on high street wants to give you, you know, a few grand to eat pancakes there. Then, yeah, I think maybe that's pretty good for you. So I I think it just, I think it just depends on who you are and what you want to get out of it. Um, And honestly, a guy like CJ Stroud is going to be hurting for endorsements anyway. So I I don't know. It's just interesting to me because, and I agree with you, like the dichotomy between this is, is, you know, it's something that players have to manage they got to figure out, you know, do they want to be X, Y and Z as a brand or do they want to maximize earning potential or some combination of both? Um, I just I, I guess I didn't expect those to be the names uh, for CJ Stroud, <laughs> right. Jackson Smith and Jigba, Travion Henderson, Denzel Burke. Right. These are the hottest, coolest names on the team. Little surprise that that's. The route that they went but you know they're getting paid so i'm, I'm not really you know who am i to judge i'm gonna get dollars for doing anything
0: well so, i think what i want to. out of what i want to see out of this as a fan uh you know and I'm, I'm setting aside the serious uh you know oh i want ohio state's players to make all this money so that they can recruit more <laughs> players yeah, to ohio right. state uh, right. which does not seem to be a challenge for the university right now we'll get to that in a moment what what i'd like to see is more of those creative clever type deals you know what whichever mm-hmm. team it was that had uh, uh the, the offensive line was sponsored by like you referenced a, a few minutes ago you know the house of pancake the local yeah the local pancake restaurant like that's brilliant i want that that's what i want to see or uh you know i re- remember when ohio state's offensive line was the brew crew right like you need mm-hmm. a beer sponsor for a line called the brew crew right like you need you know I'm, I'm an advertising guy so i'm thinking about like the clever connection yeah, of course and, no that'd be so perfect no i, I want to see with more hundred percent yeah and and uh that 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 would uh i think make this a little more more fun for everyone so we need to, Rout, we need to see some of those kind of those kind of route man
1: so, marv gets sponsored by uh MapQuest and like heck yeah if does that exist i don't know if MapQuest exists anymore, i yeah but, i don't know
0: google maps but uh <laughs> that's kind of kind of how we roll at our house i guess yeah so but that's what
1: i'm saying though you know what i'm saying like that's i agree with you i that's my whole point when i when I, first heard about nil i'm like the possibilities for fun stuff here are endless and i i think one of the things that people maybe uh the criticisms that you might have of columbus is that it's just way too you know like corporate kind of sanitized doesn't allow for that kind of stuff very much and i you know if it's all nationwide and Abercrombie and American or whatever, it's, you know, it's a little disappointing to me than if it were like used kids, which again, I don't think used kids is getting into the NIL game. You know what I mean? I don't think La Poblanita is getting into the NIL game. I wish they would because that would be great. Um, But you know, it's, it's just one of those things where you're like, "Ah, I wish this was a lot more fun and creative than I think it's going to end up being, but money's money. And like I said, I, I can't fault anybody from taking it you know from American Eagle or whatever there's nothing wrong
0: with that I, I think the other thing that will be more interesting is because this is where I think when NIL was first announced where I really thought it was going to go for most that you would have a few big ticket items a few big ticket you know what and, and not literally Nike because obviously Nike's deal with schools is very different sure. um, because the apparel equipment tie-in so on but that you'd have some big brands like that that would come in and maybe be sponsor of uh, or having an ideal ideal with the starting quarterback or, or mm-hmm. maybe the wide receiver or the running back depending something along those lines but that for the most part nil deals would be the local car dealership would be you know like let's let me see, see bob evans get in the game here you know I mean, like local <laughs> yeah businesses no, but really, seriously, That really have that a tie to the community or something along those that's sort of what i assumed you know you would you would see uh, the local roofing company or something like that, that would be sponsoring. And, and that's probably still going to be, be what happens in a lot of cases, you know, right? The, the businesses that by and large support the university or most active in the community. Uh, that's, that's sort of what I expect. And that's where I think this ultimately shakes out. It's either you're going to have two classes of NIL people. One, either, you know, wealthy donor business owners who just want another route for being able to pump money into their favorite sporting team or then the businesses who are using it as a part of their marketing mm-hmm. budget you know that right. they, they they have a certain amount of dollars earmarked to pump into sports marketing you know that sort of thing that's that's where this mm-hmm. is going to go all right let's shift gears here a little bit uh, move move on to the new blood coming into the program hoping to cash some of these nil deals uh this weekend four star tight end in the class of 23 jelani thurman committed to ohio state uh, he's a big one. I want to say six, three, 230 pounds, uh, tight end out of Fairburn, Georgia. Anytime you pull him out of the South, that feels like a, a, when he joins a four-star studded class, you know, with, I think, what are we up to now? Uh, like, it seems like 19 or, or yeah, 19 in the class total at this point, final tight end of the class. Uh, and they're all, but two of them, uh, four or five stars, a pair of five stars, of course, and Brandon Ennis and Carnell Tate this class pretty good we talked about this a week ago with garrick hodge uh johnny is this the year ohio state throws to the tight end no <laughs> what? no
1: no it's not it's they never got, is they've
0: got two four-star tight ends in this class It's, I don't it's care. coming right it's coming. i don't
1: care it could be five five-star tight ends i don't give a crap they would just end up blocking it, it doesn't i look i'm not gonna be fooled by this again and you know what sometimes sometimes they do throw the tight ends and it's really cool and awesome, but it happens like maybe once a year and that's fine. And sometimes, sometimes that once a year game is in a really fun and awesome game like against Clemson, for example, when they just absolutely annihilated them and they had no way to prepare for that because Ohio state hadn't thrown the tight ends at all prior to that. So yeah, my answer is no, it's not going to happen with the exception of one random game, which will either be awesome or irrelevant. So Oh, no. Uh, and you shouldn't get your hopes up for it. And I look, I understand. I'm not saying this to say that, you know, Jelani Thurman is going to go to Ohio state and be a bad player or anything like that. I'm sure he'll be a great player. I'm sure he'll do a great job at blocking because that's all he's going to be doing. Um, but that's okay. And you know what, the, it's not, you know, the thing is about all of this is that like Brian day. And I've said this many times is that he looks at the personnel that he has and then he crafts an offense based on the strengths of what his personnel can do. And that's great. And, and I like that because in previous years, you've had situations like Ramire where he tries to fit, you know, a square peg into a round hole because that's the, what he, you know, he's got his system and he wants the players to run that system and blah, blah, blah. Ryan Day doesn't do that. Here's the problem. If you're a tight end, there's a trillion, like all world <laughs> wide receivers on the team you're always going to be the third or fourth option on any given play if you're a tight end looking to catch passes that's just the reality of it um so again while i'm not saying anything about Jelani thurman as a player i think i'm sure he's fantastic he's great all that other stuff he's gonna be pretty far down the list when it comes to options uh pass catching options well
0: i'm i'm convinced ohio state is going to use the Tight end in a big way. They've got a couple of good ones here, and I, I screwed up earlier. I said he was six three two thirties, six five two thirty. So in case anybody freaked he out, just grew a couple inches. All right. Got, and we, yeah. So we got a pair of bookends there: uh, Ty Lockwood and Jelani Thurman, both 6'5", 225 twenty five two thirty range. So uh, a couple of big, couple of big movers on the end of the line. You like that? And uh, whether or not they throw to them uh, remains to be seen. But as I say, Ohio State. Uh, still has a great class uh, has an even greater class now they moved back ahead of notre dame for the number one spot maybe briefly it seems like notre dame and ohio state are going to continue to battle back and forth uh, a little bit of a surprise over the weekend that uh, running back justice haynes committed to alabama the number four running back in the nation was choosing among crimson tide ohio state georgia and florida i, I think mm. there was some sense like that uh, it wasn't going to be alabama necessarily when when he announced so i i mentioned that just to say that ohio state is getting a whole lot of talent but they're not getting everybody who is uh who is considering the buckeyes at this stage uh alabama apparently still also good at recruiting
1: yeah they they let alabama have that one just so that they can remain competitive because you know god knows alabama needs the help so
0: yeah yeah, I think that's important. You know, you know, a little bit of, a <laughs> little bit of equal opportunity in recruiting. That's, that's, that's good right. stuff. Uh, and great piece. I want to, while we're on the recruiting front, we don't spend a truckload of time to, uh, talking about recruiting here, but because of uh, all of the stars that have been aligning for the Buckeyes, it, it felt like the last couple of weeks, it was worth talking about great piece from Garrett Hodge over the weekend, taking stock of Ohio state's 23 recruiting class and projecting what needs to be done yet. If you, you've missed that piece, uh, really good opportunity for you to um, kind of to kind of take stock needs in the class yet still uh, would like to see a quarterback in here, uh, a running back as we talked about justice Haynes was, was the, um, the big one Garrick wrote at that time that it was uh, likely Ohio State's last chance at landing and running back. So a little concerning there. They do have Mark Fletcher, um, but would like to take another one there. So good pieces, wide receiver, of course, um, uh, solidified tight end, solidified, uh, big one yet still, as we talked last week, offensive line. So things to watch for you this week. All right. Uh, Johnny, before we get to ask us anything, uh, another great piece I enjoyed over the weekend that you wrote was, was about Ohio state's theme games. Um, this was kind Ray. of an interesting week well you know the the um and pause <laughs> there was i know it's the off-season, uh, uh well ohio state spent an inordinate amount of time it seemed like thinking about and coming up with themes for a number of games this season have i just been missing these aside from like the one alt uniform kind of no, thing like they... is this the first year that we're really ramping up this idea of having a theme for I don't know. Felt like 80% of the games on the schedule. They've been doing
1: themes. They just haven't promoted them as much. And I think this may be a reflection of like trying to get a little bit more into the, you know, the advertising game with this because they're thinking about, all right, well, how do we get people actually buying tickets? Right. So we got to make sure that, okay, well, I, I wouldn't go to Toledo. I wouldn't pay for that. The alumni bands there. Oh, well, count me in. Uh, I I, I think they're trying to do stuff like that to try to get people maybe a little bit more excited than they normally would be I the thing I was I was being very obviously silly with that piece and kind of tongue-in-cheek and all that but like my overall theme my theme my point that I was making was that the stuff that they do is not that engaging you know what i mean like nobody cares about homecoming at ohio state that's not a thing i mean yes people participate in it and i'm sure some people care but the student body and fans at large that's not a huge deal for anybody um you know you'll have a military appreciation day and that's you know right right near veterans it was fine i guess but like that's always done in the same way it's like okay we're wearing camo today all right and then we'll have like a thing that we put on the jumbo like there's nothing it's all perfunctory It, it doesn't feel engaging and one of the things that i was a little annoyed about i didn't mention this in the piece but like so they're doing the blackout right for wisconsin just make it for penn state every year what yeah like this is a cultural exchange do it for penn state penn state is gonna fall they they've decided that it's basically gonna fall around halloween anyway every year mm-hmm. just i mean again granted they're not they're not you know playing at home but like that should be the reserved you know fun thing for penn state make it a special thing for them i don't think that like doing it for some random game against wisconsin in september is going to get anybody hyped like put that in your back pocket do something else for wisconsin um reserve that for the team that you know that it's there for um But yeah, like, I don't know, like, you know, Arkansas State, like, wow, we got the Scarlet and Gray game and faculty and staff appreciate, like, who cares? It's not, you know, the only thing that I think drives anything is Michigan just being Michigan. And obviously this year is going to be Armageddon when it comes to that. Like, I even there, there are two scenarios in, in which Ohio State goes into the game this year, and both of them will lead to Columbus, like burning down which is either ohio state has a disappointing season going into that final game of the season or they're undefeated either way it's going to be like defcon like five it's going to be cra- like defcon one rather it's going I'm to be say, get, crazy you say, get it right get it right
0: yeah, i gotta get it right people screw DEFCON this one. all the time
1: That's right. So it's going to be like psycho crazy times, no matter what happens in late November. So that's fine. And then the 2002 team reunion against Notre Dame and the home opener, that's obviously a big deal. But everything else just kind of feels like meh, you know, and so I just feel like they can either do some stuff that's truly engaging and interesting or, you know, don't worry about declining attendance a little bit so much because you're not going to sell it every game from now on. I, th- I just think that's the reality um, of life, but uh, um, yeah, I don't know. I I'm just, I'm a little underwhelmed, I guess, by the offerings. And again,
0: reserve, reserve the blackout for Penn state. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. I hundred percent agree on that one. That just seems like it's too sensible. Doesn't not, have to be every not, year Not to do it. Yeah. Uh, th- th- I think the thing that part of the reason that I, have been pondering this as you've been on this bandwagon actually for a few years now that, you know, Ohio state maybe didn't have an attendance problem as early as other schools had an attendance problem, yeah but no one's going to be immune from having attendance problems. And well, they,
1: they, I mean, last year, I mean, again, granted you're still dealing with like COVID and, and things like that, but like, there were some pretty poorly attended games at Ohio stadium. And I don't think that's going to change. I think you're going to see games like against Toledo, Arkansas State, Rutgers. You know, maybe even like Indiana. Th- those are not going to be very well attended at Ohio Stadium. Like, period. And 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 people need to to be aware of that. And like, if they see you know twenty thousand seats empty for Arkansas State, that's that is, I think, the new norm. Honestly, no, and as- people have to learn to accept that.
0: Aside for oil, or and now here I'm gonna uh in in the spirit of the running ask us anything series we've had the last several weeks where uh you know gene smith was putting us in charge of creating mm-hmm. you know robot doppelgangers to <laughs> defeat michigan Still and funny. such i'm going to put you in charge i'm going to make you gene smith for a day yeah uh so so what is the fix i'm i'm not willing to tolerate if i'm gene smith you know 20,000 empty seats in the shoe uh at any point because we've been used to having sellouts you know since time immemorial Uh fix the problem fix it fix it
1: fix it fix it I don't think I
0: don't think you can fix it okay what do you do I mean
1: I don't like that you're you're competing against technology you're competing against the fact that people have you know 65 inch television screens Mm -hmm. in their homes that they don't have to pay a 100 some buck now i will say that i think they did a smart thing with the ticket pricing and they i think realize that people don't want to go to arkansas state and drop prices to an appropriate level for games like that um but i don't think there's any gimmick i don't you know i think
0: well, i mean it's not a gimmick i mean see i come at this as an economist and you hit the nail on the head i mean to me it goes back to first principles it's supply and demand sure i, ha- I know what my supply is so if demand isn't there, what, I mean, there's only one response to that in the well, economist's mind,
1: right? I think there's two responses. I think I agree with you that you can drop prices. I also think, and I've said this for years and people have not been happy when I say this, but Ohio stadium is a hundred years old and maybe I it's know, time. I know where
0: you're going with Maybe this. it's
1: time to accept that Ohio state doesn't need a stadium that is a hundred years old and seats 105,000 people. Maybe, maybe something else could fit the bill and uh, and do just as well. I don't I, know.
0: This is, I mean, that's an interesting discussion. It's one that as, as a, you know, Ohio stadium will be celebrating its 100th year this year. In fact, one of the themes of this mm-hmm. year to, to circle this back to the topic of, the themes that are coming up this season, the Rutgers game, in addition to being homecoming is the 100 year celebration of Ohio stadium. Uh, You, you make a good, you make a good point. I think, (laughs) well, it, it (laughs) bothers me because I love Ohio stadium. Sure. I love the, I love the concept of Ohio stadium. There are definitely things I don't love about Ohio stadium. Um, And, and, that's, I think a big part of, of where you're going with this. You could improve. I I think you could improve the end stadium experience at, at the expense of 10,000 seats or something along those Mm -hmm. lines, you know, um, maybe, maybe if seat space, wasn't what was allocated for, you know, a private first class in the United States Marine Corps in 1928, uh Uh, you know the modern man is somewhat larger (laughs) than the gentleman (laughs) that they envisioned sitting on one of those god people weren't subsisting on a a diet of like cornmeal and oats and uh but, but one of the things i i ponder where what you really got me thinking about when you said that is when the wrestling program and the volleyball team and others moved into covelli center you know, the wrestling team used to wrestle in St. John arena, right? So St. Mm -hmm. John holds what, I don't know, somewhere between 10 and 13,000 people. Yeah. You could fill that up for Penn state or Iowa, easy peasy. But when you, you know, are having a meet against even a Wisconsin, you know, you might have three to 4,000 people come to watch that good crowd, but not in a 13,000 seat arena. Right. So they build Cavalli, which you could get, you know, up to a max of, I don't remember what capacity it is now, but, but more than 5,000, but less than six, you know, 5,500, mm-hmm. 5, 5,700 probably standing room only. Guess what? Every, every night's packed. Right. If the wrestling program, I, I can't say that for the other, Teams that play there because they don't go and cover them, but the the wrestling program, you know, those are always a sellout now. Yeah. So it was really it justifies its existence. Yeah, and so it was funny when it first came out. I there were some some Iowa fans or some Penn State fans, you know, that were were in my mentions. They were are like, oh yeah, can't can't fill because an Iowa is unique and that it can fill out Carver Hawkeye are, Arena for every single wrestling meet. There's only one place in the country that does that. Mm-hmm. So. Ohio State can still have its wrestling meets in St. John when when they bring in Penn State. Or they have them in the shot when they bring in Penn State or Iowa, and they can sell that out. But the rest of the time, they have a sellout in an insanely great environment every single meet now by going to that smaller, more intimate meet. Right.
1: right. And but i that's, you that's know.
0: the reason that I hesitate to be like, Johnny, your idea is the worst thing ever because I love Ohio State, but because we have a test case for it. In yeah, and, it's,
1: and to be fair, I mean you know name how many you know large schools have built new stadiums in the past however many years like zero
0: basically what, what that's a good question what is the newest stadium
1: yeah in i mean
0: the football bowl subdivision
1: i don't know that that's actually an excellent question but i'm sure it's not relatively recent you know what i mean like i'm sure it's something that's that's decades old even still um because it's it's a huge undertaking but i i think I don't know that it's my pie in the sky thing where I'm like, I don't think that it's sustainable forever. And eventually you will have to have something new. And I don't know. I, I you know, you can keep trying all you want to fill 105,000 seats. It's going to reach a point where it just doesn't happen. Right. I mean, and, and I'm,
0: you know I'm what scrolling the thing here. Is, I'm scrolling here like this. I found arena I mean, it's funny uh-huh. you when you Google crap like this uh you know apparently san diego state university just built or is building getting ready to open a new stadium we'll i know see-
1: hawaii's got a new one coming well in, yeah uh, but there i want to tell you something Lo hubble i've been to hawaii okay it was a while it was about 10 years ago i've been to hawaii i, I saw the old walked around it Ho- oh my god a dump just
0: terrible yeah, place it bad
1: it just falling apart in so many different ways everything about it and just not a good venue uh they deserve absolutely another uh you know not like an ohio stadium situation where it's like okay it's outdated and maybe not congruent to what people need in a a football stadium you know uh, big time college football that was just they they had to have something new um but yeah i don't know man it's just it's got to be these got to be pretty old well i mean as i'm scanning
0: this this list of new football stadiums Uh, from again from aritafanatic.com, San Diego State, uh, 35,000. Again, so when you hear these capacity numbers, right, this is going to really support what you're talking about. Now, granted, these programs aren't Ohio State, but you're going to sense a theme here. So, so San Diego State, 35 seats, 35,000. Uh, UAB got a new one in 21 that seats 47,000. Go down here, let's see, uh, Allegiant Stadium for the UNLV Rebels. Las Vegas. This was a 1.8 billion dollar stadium. Apparently, seats 65 thousand. So that one's a little on the bigger side. uh Let's see. Scroll down here a little further. In 2018, you no know, Arizona renovated its stadium. Seats 57 thousand. Looks like let's see, well, like a completely Colorado new State. Colorado State apparently got a new one. 41 thousand. This was in 2017. Seats yeah. 41 thousand. Right, so as I scroll down through here, I mean these are all. You know, for their their division, not necessarily, you know, big ten teams. Right. The big Ten stadiums we know are all very old. Uh yeah, yeah, but you're seeing forty, forty some thousand. And think about NFL stadiums, right? Oh yeah, they're shrinking too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there are no hundred thousand seat NFL stadiums. Yeah. And look at, I mean, to to really further back up what your what your argument is with Ohio Stadium, look at the situation with Soldier Field in Chicago. Mm-hmm you know they've been just kind of holding up the facade and building a new stadium inside the the, the old facade for decades and you know nobody really loves it <laughs> like no. now they're talking about putting a dome on it to try to keep the bears happy
1: yeah i mean that's and that's the thing like there, these things are changing rapidly and i'm trying to i have a i pulled up a i pulled up a um a list as well and and i this is actually one of the ones that i would always harp on because it was surprising to me this is the most recent one in the big 10 which is uh minnesota's it's now called huntington bank stadium it was TCF
0: bank statement now it's Huntington. Yeah.
1: yeah used to be uh god what was it i can't remember what that was originally called um all oh, tcf bank stadium was yeah. what it was and i did a few years ago because it opened in 2009 a few years ago i did like a comparison between some of the amenities and, and stuff between uh, Huntington Bank stadium and an Ohio stadium. And it's so Huntington Bank stadium, right. And the Minnesota golden Gophers are not going to be a huge draw, but it's still a big 10, you know, it's still a big 10 stadium. So it's a 50,000 seat stadium. Mm-hmm. That's not huge. That's, that's a, I think a, I would say modest, but it's a more realistic size stadium Uh, and it says that, you know, it could expand up to 80,000, which I don't see particularly happening, but they've got three times, just as one example, they have three times the bathrooms (laughs) that Ohio stadium does Ohio stadium has over twice the capacity. (laughs) Like that's the kind of thing that I'm talking about. And when people, you know, are making the financial decision about whether or not they should go to a game and pay hundreds of dollars for the privilege, that's the kind of stuff that people think in the back of their heads sometimes, like, is this really going to be that comfortable? Is this going to be that entertaining? Am I actually going to enjoy myself while I'm there? So, you know, but uh, you know, most of these other, other big 10 uh, schools, I mean, they're, they're pretty freaking old stadiums and that's just the way it goes, you know, that's, and so I, you know, as much as I think it would be cool if uh, Ohio state was able to get this thing going um, uh, beyond beyond uh you know beyond uh Huntington Stadium it's like Beaver Stadium built in 1959 which looks like an erector set yeah uh Memorial Stadium built in 1960 which I mean the less said about that the better and then that's (laughs) that's it Mm-hmm. I guess I mean, you know, Rutgers, I guess, they're their stadium in Piscataway, but like in, in the early 90s. But really, I mean, most of these Big Ten stadiums are super freaking old. And if you talk about the blue bloods of college football, I mean they're they're playing in stadiums that are 60, 70 years old minimum. So mm-hmm. I, I think that's maybe just what college football is, and, and maybe it's harder to get something like that done than than I would like, I guess.
0: Yeah. All right, that's going to do it for the first half of the program. Let's move into our favorite segment of the show. Ask us anything, your opportunity each week to bless us with your questions. Uh, And, of course, this segment, like the Dubcast in its entirety, is brought to you by the Dry Goods Store at 11warriors.com. Shop early, shop often. Everything you could possibly want as a fan of the greatest podcast in the land and, uh, of course, a, a discerning fan like yourself of the finest sports teams in the land should shop at drygoods.elevenwarriors.com. warriorscom Johnny, what'd you find in the mailbag this week, my friend?
1: All right. We have several great questions this week. I'm going to remind you guys that uh, the 11 Dubcast or ask us anything questions are, are really the lifeblood of the off season. So go ahead and send those to Dubcast at 11warriors.com. D-U-B-C-A-S-T at 11 uh, we got some questions here, some recruiting questions from Josh. Uh, so, some things have been swirling around his head since our conversation with Garrick. Uh, so he said, "It feels weird to me that we've got two thirds of our expected expected class with verbal commits before the start of their senior season. Is that weird these days, or is it weirder that like Bama and Georgia don't have theirs filled out yet?"
0: I don't know if I think it's. I don't know if I think it's weird. Um, I think it's just and- different approaches. Um, yeah and, and you got to think how much things like the early signing period changed the game like there have been yeah. so many there have been so many changes to this whole process i mean in just the last geez five years i yeah. guess i mean every year is different yeah i mean it's just in the pace of change has accelerated so much right so first it was the early signing period then it was the you know then the, the influence of the transfer portal and now it's the influence of nil there's any and, and the the calendar keeps changing when they have dead periods when they don't when contact can begin all those kind of things and, and and the bottom line is programs have to adapt to those changes to stay competitive i think ohio state's doing that it's hard to compare to an alabama because alabama Alabama's is going to get the guys at once always uh, you know what i mean like they're always going to have that advantage and and with the with the advent of nil i think alabama's got to feel like they can walk in at the 11th hour and say to most guys hey wouldn't you like to come or yeah. take this a step further maybe they're not freaking out about it as much because guess what they can still come and get the fourth best guy on ohio state's team in the transfer portal the next year Mm-hmm. And, and I don't mean just Ohio state specifically. I laugh at that one because there's an obvious example of them doing pretty damn well with Ohio state's third guy, uh, in, in the wide receiver room last year, you know, they're going to be able to go and farm the transfer portal better than almost any other program out there. So, you know, Alabama is a different one. Uh, I think the one thing that will be interesting to watch is how many, of those super early commitments stick not just for ohio state but for any team you know what's the percentage of because you always used to have urban meyer saying hey uh, you know a, a, a verbal commitment just means you're in a guy's top three and right. and i think that's still a thing uh that you know they're of i mean they're high profile decommitments all the time
1: well and that actually goes into josh's second question which is you know was ohio state you know should they be worried about a flip you know because they get kids to commit so early and i I think there are pros and cons to both of this because both approaches, because in one sense, if you get kids, you get those horses in the barn early, right. Then you can start basically coaching them up already. I mean, obviously you're not allowed to make contact with them or whatever, but everybody else in the class can say, all right, you're a Buckeye now and then just get them invested and make it harder for them to make that switch. Plus if you're, you know, you get all the other players talking to them and whatnot, get them excited about the, you know, the team and where it's going. I, I think as long as your team is perceived as, as heading in a positive direction, that helps. Um, on the other hand, you do give teams like Alabama and Georgia and whoever else more time to try to, to poach a dude. So, you know, I, I think if you're confident in your team and your approach, you're going to want to get guys in as early as possible. Um, that would be what I would do. Honestly, But like, look, I, I can keep, pitching myself to these guys if that makes sense Mm -hmm. um you know if need be but you also you know the other thing is is that if you guy gets poached or whatever then maybe that's not so bad for team cohesion anyway because you you're bringing in guys that you know want to be there right like if, if they've listened to overtures for a year or whatever and they still want to go to your college then okay then you got a guy who's probably pretty committed to your program so i don't i don't think it's necessarily a bad thing or a bad approach i think it's a good idea on their part and um if there's a couple flips i'm i'm willing to live with that i don't think it's the worst thing in the world
0: yeah i'm Um, totally on board with that it's it's one of those things too that it just getting him in early gives you an opportunity to to further develop that relationship. You talk about coaching them up. That's definitely part of it. Also just this this idea that you it's all about relationships, right? So you're continuing to to nurture and development and grow those relationships with the players. And that's such a huge part of it. And either they stick or they don't. And if they don't stick, hey, guess what? You know, there's all that time that they've had to be building relationships with guys in the team, within their recruiting class, whatever maybe they weren't a fit and in which case you that's okay get them out because yeah. because culture matters a lot
1: yeah i agree with that um and then lastly says uh, i believe part of the reason why state's gotten so ahead of the cart is due to the fact that the real signing day is now the early signing day in december yeah. do either of you foresee a future where the real signing day occurs even earlier than it is uh or ever reached a reasonable limit from when we expect kids to officially commit to a school <laughs> i think they may just say no signing day and say you know commit whenever you want because you might as well um which essentially is what it is now honestly but um yeah i i don't know i in my in my mind right now there is no signing day and that that kind of got killed when they moved it to the early signing day and it made me a little sad because i I liked all the ridiculousness around it but it it also fact that we
0: were still using a fax machine yeah
1: it was definitely antiquated
0: that was one of my favorite parts was yeah
1: but it things, was fun yeah yeah, yeah
0: right right it, i mean that little bit of theater you know was was kind of a hoot right uh, i agree uh, yeah so I, and the other thing i think is going to change all of that i'm on board with what you're saying but i think the other thing that's going to change too is just just the reality that you're going to have <clears throat> more changes relative to I think as, as, as the NCAA and others continue to try to evaluate the impact of NIL and the transfer portal on the game and the, and the business of football, I I foresee more change in the future in terms of whether it's straight up unionization, but that the players at some point, there will be a, a players association, if you will, there will be, there will be some more organization because of all of the stuff that's now out in the open and in terms of the business and the money flow. And I think that might have some changes as to, because there's, there are going mm-hmm. to be contracts uh, at some point, I think in the same way that you see, you know, so what's that going to look like? I don't know what it's going to look like, but I think that will, that will have a lot of influence uh, on, on the answer to that question too, is how it affects the signing period and so on is what are they actually signing is it, is it a letter of intent to come and play in the sense of what we know it is now, or is it some sort of employment agreement because of what the nature of the relationship between the school and the player ends up being five years from now?
1: Yeah, I would agree. And, uh, it's, it'll, it's going to change a lot, I think. Um, all right. So this one's from a good friend, Alvin, who wants to know, what is your favorite Ohio headquartered brand slash company?
0: I said Bob Evans earlier in the broadcast. Yeah. I'm a big, big fan of Bob Evans for a long time. I'm trying to think of, of specific, uh, you know, Ohio, uh, Ohio uh, proud company. So, oh, here you go. Here's the obvious one. Certified Angus beef, big fan of certified Angus beef. A lot of people probably don't know, to, know this, but uh, headquartered in Worcester, Ohio. That's a great brand. So if you love some of the finest beef in the country, mm. uh, certified Angus beef is is a great brand, big fan of Bob Evans. Yeah, definitely for sure okay um yeah no, no you skyline know, you wouldn't know yeah i mean that's a good one i guess i was about i i guess i think i wasn't thinking of skyline as a as a brand per se yeah. uh though it is i think part of the reason for that is because and, and if you ever listen to the um the comedian ron white uh he used to do the blue collar comedy tour with sure. jeff foxworthy and billing ball and larry the Cable Guy. Ron, um one of my favorite of those four guys also probably the filthiest of those four guys yeah. he does a bit about cincinnati and he talks about the chili and he like lists the number of chili places in cincinnati um and of course he's a bit derogatory about it because he's from texas and he talks you know he's like he's something he said about the chili capital of the world and he's like i don't know i kind of thought Maybe the chili cap of the world might be somewhere like Guadalajara, Mexico, <laughs> <or not. laughs> and, and he's kind of making fun of Cincinnati style chili, but maybe that's why I didn't necessarily jump on that as a brand because it's like we had, we had, gold I just star like that chili it makes like, other people mad. Well, we had gold star chili in my hometown. Like we didn't have a Skyline, We had a gold star. Sad. It's the same thing no it's not i know i know i was gonna get you really not when I, said, I know i was gonna get you round up when i said that you know it's not you know it's not i'm a skylight guy i yeah. i we, we go to skylight <laughs>
1: um you know what so okay so big boy is not headquartered in ohio nope, frish's big yeah. boy is and frish's big boy is the superior one i have a story yes, about it that, is. actually so i okay so i've i've mentioned many times on the dubcast that i used to live in japan and i took a trip uh, while I was living there, I took a trip to Nara and Kyoto, the, you know, the ancient capitals of Japan. Fantastic trip. Saw some unbelievable things. Uh, really great time. And I was just, you know, traipsing around Kyoto. And I was like, all right, what are, where am I going to go to dinner? And I saw a big boy. And I was like, oh, my God, you're killing me. Are you serious? Like, it was, it was like somebody, you know, lost in the desert now granted i'm that's that's a little i enjoy japanese too i'm not i wasn't one of those like americans who go to a foreign country and eat a mcdonald's every day like i ate you know everything there uh but i was like a big boy in japan i gotta go this i gotta see. and i go there and it's like the traditional so japan has this like family restaurant quote unquote uh you know theme genre i guess as it were of uh of uh restaurants where it's like you get kind of a hot plate and they'll put like a burger patty on it and then you'll get like some fries and some sides or whatever and it's very basic it's kind of bento-y, you know like you know a japanese twist on the thing but it's definitely not Frisch's big boy yeah. which is what i expected and what i was hoping for so i did not get a super big boy i was not able to have one of those in japan i was very sad um it is i would say the Frisch's version of big boy is definitely uniquely ohio thing and i'm, I'm all about it so uh, the triumvirate of that skyline and dumb dumb lollipops are from ohio i, I did know not
0: know that they are
1: they wow. are in fact from ohio and the only reason why i know that is because i was in like um in uh, in the i think it's in the house of representatives there is something called the candy desk might That's be in the okay. senate I gotta look up the candy desk. Hang on a second. I gotta I gotta make sure I get this right. Uh, but yeah, there's it's in the Senate. So the candy desk is in the Senate, and uh, it's it's basically exactly as described. It's one of their desks, and it's filled with candy. And whoever is responsible, whichever senator is assigned to that particular desk, is responsible for filling it with candy. And so, uh, George Voinovich had it from, you know, Senator from Ohio, uh, at one point. And I learned that he filled it with dum-dums and Buckeyes because dum-dums was an Ohio is an Ohio, uh, brand. And of course, Buckeyes being, you know, also an Ohio thing. So he, you know, he, he, he filled it with both of those things. So
0: he was pretty great. cool.
1: So dum-dum lollipops, by
0: the way, I love them. I think they're great. I'm I'm he, a big fan of those. One one of my go-to man. candies. That's awesome. Love yeah. love. So there it you go. Bitch. Yeah. The, uh, great question. It, well, and and it's you. I I just you are a wealth of information. There are many things there that I did. Now I have to I have to throw yeah. you this little Frisha story. Uh, right. I spent a significant portion of my formative years in a Frisch's Big Boy because that was the nicest restaurant in in my little town in southern Ohio at the time uh, and baby.
1: I almost every Sunday we went to Frisch's yes, Big Boy we, we with did. Grandma. Yeah. it was great
0: that was a that was a tradi- when I was a wee baron like n- barely old enough to remember uh, Dad and I would go for breakfast of a Sunday morning. Like that was a tradition. Just he and I would go. Maybe this is something you can do with your son. You know, Dad mm-hmm. and I would go to go to Frisch's and and have breakfast. But then, you know, throughout my my childhood and, and teenage years, I mean, up until I left home to go to Ohio State, you know, if we were going out for a for a decent, you know, evening meal, which basically meant you know meal not at home, <laughs> chances right. are it was Frisch's Big Boy. Uh, so. One time, this is some years ago, the Stunning Mrs. Vance and I were going to a dog show up in that state up north, and there happened to be a Frisch's Big Boy at the exit where we were staying. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is great. I haven't been to a Frisch's in years. Let's go. So we went. Well, you know, they brought this sandwich that was allegedly a Big Boy, and they set it down, and I tasted it, and it was like... What is this? It was like (laughs) this sort of weird Thousand Island Russian dressing marriage that was. It was not, Uh Perfidious Big Boy sauce, which is essentially that, but it's better. No, no, it's tartar sauce. It's tartar sauce. Oh yeah, tartar sauce. Yeah, tartar tartar sauce sauce. with lettuce in it. The the
1: Thousand uh, Island. That's the. That's the. What is
0: that? You do that on a on a Reuben. That's right. Yeah, that's yeah, right yeah 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 yeah, yeah. No, so I'm sorry, I was I right. was incensed and there were like two or three other things like they're um they're uh, so the sandwich was wrong and there was something else I'm trying to think it was like the salad bar there was something that wasn't on the salad bar that was always on the salad bar when I was a kid and the lady said to me the waitress when I was like expressing dismay I was like what is on this sandwich and she's like where are you from and I said like, so well I'm from so don't know how. she's like oh yeah they do it different down there yeah they do it better <laughs> yes yes they do it better they do it better
1: you're wrong oh also uh i got a shout out um if i want to shout out frish's big boy shout out the jug in middletown it's basically just frish's but cheaper that's it oh good to know (laughs) it's it's a burger stand right next to a gas station parking lot it's the best business in middletown um all right so here we go this is the last one from russian assassin number two uh part uh, part two of better call saul's final season is beginning as you two are recording the dubcast on monday night recorded on sunday night sorry uh (laughs) i enjoy the show a lot but it feels like prestige tv like better call saul isn't an event the way tv shows like that uh like game of thrones for example were a few years ago are you excited for better call saul or indifferent like most people seem to be
0: uh, first answer is I'm indifferent, but it's not because I'm not into like TV events like that. Sure. I, I haven't watched uh, the predecessor show breaking bad. I, yeah. I have to admit, like, that's one of my, one of my cultural failings. And, and it's honestly not intentional. Like I love shows like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, kind of, and I enjoy that sort of it being the thing that everybody's talking about. I remember Thrones is a great example, but there have been, you know, a number of other shows like that. There's 24. Yeah, twenty lost, you know, when those were when those were kind of the water cooler chatter topics. Uh I enjoyed that. But I'll be honest, I don't watch all that much television uh anymore at this stage. Like we probably watch, yeah, you know, we, we might get to watch like one show a night or something. Um, and part of it, and you'll find this is is uh, your young son gets older, like uh the older our daughter gets, the less TV we watch of like that type of you know grown-up type sure. tv and i don't mean that we're watching like kids stuff but we're because she's you know she's nine so she's at that stage where she's staying up a little later and watching tv with mom and dad so we're not watching game of thrones with the nine-year-old but we're watching you know other more family friendly things like we've been watching actually mm-hmm. a lot of family feud believe it or not or you know kind of game shows are good they're usually pretty safe foddery kind of steve uh, harvey kind of walks the line being a little uh inappropriate at times but sure so we're watching more kind of family friendly type things so it's not it's not that i've said oh i'm not going to watch breaking bad it's just i've run out of time to watch all of the shows that i'd like to like well the stunning mrs vance and i will see something like oh that sounds like a really good like we we should watch that and then we realize three years later we we never really got around to it so yeah um, i i
1: think the era of prestige tv is definitely faded Uh, And and part of it is because just the novelty isn't there as much like these high, these really high quality productions are not as surprising or as unusual, you know what I mean, as they used to be like, it'd be one thing, you know, AMC having Mad Men years ago was was this huge big deal because it's like, wow, this is like a movie quality show every week. Now, granted, we're not going to get 24 episodes of it. But it's, you know, the production values are a hell of a lot higher than, you know, watching Law and Order, you know, every yeah. week or, or, you know, and again, not to crap on those shows or anything like that, but it was it was different. Prestige television was a different kind of investment. It was a very almost European kind of investment because that's how, you know, British shows are often done, where it's like we've got 10 episodes and a season or a series, as they would call it, mm-hmm. and we're going to just dump all of our. know resources into a very short you know period of time and so when that you know that uh that way of producing television came to the united states and people started doing i think that was really surprising it was it was again a novelty it was it was something unusual and so a lot of shows that you know it it also helped that a lot of these shows were good right like you know mad men and, and game of thrones and all these other shows breaking bad these are excellent tv shows and so the novelty combined with the overall quality led it to being more of an event and now because that's much more standard and the quality isn't nearly as you know uniformly high as i think it used to be that a lot of these shows kind of go under the radar and better call saul i watched you know i've watched every episode of better call saul I've not watched any episode. Well, I take that back. I've watched like three or four episodes of Breaking Bad. So I watched Better Call Saul because I like Bob Odenkirk and I thought the character was interesting. And so that's why I started watching that. Um, And my wife and I are like, you know, we're locked in. We're checking it out. But like, there's a lot of prestige television along those lines. I haven't seen any of Ozark. I have no intention of watching Ozark. It's not something that interests me. But I know that was a big deal for a while. And then, you know, like Bridgerton, like there's, there's always more and more of that so unless i'm specifically interested in the content i'm not going to watch a prestige quote-unquote prestige show you know a high uh a high an expensive high budget 10 episode show just because it's there anymore That, that doesn't automatically you know become appointment television for me because it's not something that I can't get otherwise I can't find elsewhere like Amazon's doing their rings of power TV show with Lord of the Rings based on you know the Lord of the Rings mythos and everything I'm going to watch that I'm going to watch that because I'm interested in Lord of the Rings I'm not going to watch it because it's the most expensive television show ever made which is true Um, but you know if if I were interested in every single show like that I would watch the Wheel of Time series or you know Outlander whatever these other shows are And I haven't because it's not something that specifically appeals to me. I know there will be other content along those same lines that I can then watch. And so, you know, Better Call Saul is an unbelievably good show. It's right up there with anything else that's been on television in the past, like 10, 15 years. People aren't watching it. It's not getting good ratings at all. And it's a shame because it's unbelievably fantastic television. But I just don't think it's, you know, if that aired in the place of, you know, Breaking Bad 15 years ago or whatever, it would be considered a legendary show, but it's, it's, it's just one of many at this point.
0: Well, and let's put this all into perspective. I mean, the big thing that you've, you've highlighted there, and that really answers the question is the wealth of choice and options that we have. And I don't just mean things on television, uh, but you know, we could be, there's a lot of times. So the stunning, Mrs. Vance and I had been binge watching the West wing again, and mm. and we got into season, I don't know, five or six. And I, I got on this kick where, because we could watch YouTube via our Apple TV on the big television in the living room. Yeah. I got on this kick where I suddenly started watching videos of, of farriers and hoof trimmers working. Oh on yeah. I've watched the, Calif- I watched but, a bunch of those too. on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. I'm watching, I mean, I'm watching this <laughs> Scottish hoof trimmer. Trim dairy cows it's on fascinating. YouTube. Oh, it is. It's great. And of course, I grew up with beef cattle. So I'm like, I'm finding it interesting. Not, you know, from a like I've actually watched yeah, right. guys trim hooves on my cows. So like I'm finding that interesting. And uh that totally derailed our binge watching the West Wing. So all of these choices, not just what's on television at the time, but the fact that I, I mean, we were watching, I, I mentioned that we were watching the family feud the other night. We were watching Dick Dawson's family feud, by the mm-hmm. way, you know, <laughs> if you haven't watched Dick Dawson host family feud in a while, go back and watch that. That old horn dog kissed every woman who was ever yeah, that on was, that man. show. Weird. <laughs> his his mouth. Gross. had to be the, the, the most active Petri dish in Hollywood. Uh, anyway. Um, so what all that means is go back and look at the most watched season finales, series finales in history. Nineteen eighty three, MASH, the series finale. One hundred and five million people watched that, like half the country. Okay, one hundred now what else was on opposite MASH in nineteen eighty three? Your television only got three channels, right? In nineteen eighty three, right. okay, right? Think 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 this through. The most watched, the, the, there's only a couple of i'm looking uh, at the top 20 most watched television series finales of all time okay mash cheers the fugitive seinfeld friends comes in at number five okay that's the only one of the top five that's even in this millennium 52 and a half million viewers okay so so 20 years later the audience is half as big for the biggest show on television mm-hmm. okay half as big in 20 years and and now you know most of these others in the 2000s the the only other ones there's two more i guess in the 2000s in the top 20 fraser in 2004 clocked in at 33.7 million viewers everybody loves raymond's finale in 2005 clocked in at just under 33 million so a third as many as the most watched show of all time uh yeah nobody's how many people tuned in to watch you know the last season of game of thrones it wasn't anywhere near 33 million
1: yeah yeah well and it's it, it to your point i mean people also have other ways of watching these things so like game of thrones was had tons had a huge viewership while it was you know on it also had a huge amount of people pirating it and and not yeah, being counted right. towards any of that because you could just download it from the internet if you really wanted to for free and that's you know that's another factor in this like there are other ways to get at this stuff and because it's become more granular and because there's, you know, more options, as you said, it's just, it's not appointment viewing anymore. And that's, you know, I, I think there will, uh, there will be a snapback. And I'm curious to see what happens with this Amazon Lord of the Rings series, because I'm cautiously optimistic about it. Uh, I know there's a lot of hardcore Lord of the Rings fans who are not happy about it and like, oh, it's a disgrace and blah, blah. I don't, I don't. Look, I, I'm treating it as basically Tolkien fan fiction, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, but they spent a ton of money on this thing. Like, basically, it's a billion-dollar show. And, like, because of all the the seasons and stuff that they have planned. I mean, they've they, they done so much money in the production of making these this, this thing. And if it's not, like, the biggest hit in the history of television... I think that may be what kills a lot of these companies' interest and in, in prestige stuff. I mean, they may be content to just let, you know, the UK make a bunch of 10-episode cop dramas and then show it on their streaming service periodically. That, that I, I really think that the investment uh, is just, it's not proportional to the audience
0: that it can attract at this point. So I, I do think there will be a pretty severe retraction here um, in the next few years. I think part of the reason that I'm not as jacked up about the Lord of the ring show, because I I'm predisposed to want to watch that. Yeah. Is because it's on Amazon and they mm. did such a horrible job with the, uh, yeah. Um, Oh, the um, wheel you, of time. Yeah. yeah it, wheel of time. Yeah. Yeah. And wheel that's of time. and that's fair. And if you're like, I don't trust them to be able to, to get I don't. it done. That's, to... that's exactly what it is. Like, I'm sure it's going to be aesthetically beautiful. Like I'm sure, you know, technically it's going to be well-produced, but the, the, i don't know i just felt that the writing on the wheel of time was was a disaster so yeah.
1: we'll see we'll see what happens with it and and that's you know that's what i'm saying that these things have to be bona fide hits because if they're not then it just decreases the chances that somebody wants to go fly around something like that in the future although hbo apparently is all in on you know some game of thrones spinoffs and everything like that. so who knows um, but yeah, that's ask us anything for this week. Great questions. Everybody really appreciate them as always
0: and continue sending them in. Yes, please do so. All right, let's wrap this thing up. with we'll a look at Buckeye basketball, uh, specifically looking at how, uh, on some Ohio state former notables have been, uh, performing in the, the summer league and, and probably the, um, the, the big news, certainly the, the saddest news would, would be the injury to EJ Liddell, uh, <laughs> Tough, tough deal, uh, as a guy that you were expecting to have, you know, probably a pretty great summer and and looking at a significant injury there in the Pelicans game. Have you been watching any of the the summer league or keeping abreast of how Branham and, and Liddell and others are doing?
1: Yeah, I mean it's it horrible feel horrible for Liddell, obviously with his injury. Um and, you know, Brandon looks like he's been flashing a little bit and that's pretty cool. But honestly, I'm I'm, I'm more, more curious to see how they're actually utilized once the, the season starts. And of course, in Liddell's case, once he's able to recover and, and kind of make an impact. So, um yeah, I don't know. It's just it's one of those things where I, I want to be hyped for it. But I, I really treat summer league like, you know, like spring baseball like it doesn't you know they're, they're testing stuff out they're seeing who does what but it's not really i don't know that it means a whole lot in the grand scheme of things i want to see the games actually start
0: the other guy who's having a tough summer dwayne washington jr uh who you know was not super great in his uh couple of games with the pacers but they waived him on thursday so kind of waiting to find out where he lands uh you got to feel like he's going to be somewhere in the league uh but not gonna be with the pacers anymore as uh, yep. they waved him to make room for a big blockbuster deal we'll keep abreast of that uh and and any other uh, tantalizing tidbits of buckeye related trivia for next week's episode until then i'm andy i'm johnny thanks for joining us on the 11 dubcast